Welcome, everybody, to the 929 English Podcast. We have a special treat today, and that is that we're talking to Archie Goddess. Archie has a fantastic story, but I want to focus on Archie's story of five years ago when she began something called Jubilog. Welcome, Archie. I wanted you to tell us your story. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Um, okay, so I started Jubilog. I'm going to go back to the even pre five years ago. Um, I grew grew up in a conservative upbringing in New Jersey, and just always felt very hardwired Jewish. Okay. And meaning like it was really part of my life. I spent junior year of college going to Israel. I did Hebrew school, like really pretty typical. Um, And then I was in my early 20s and um, met a guy who I could potentially fall in love with, who I did, by the way, is my husband, just not to bury the lead, but I'll tell you the story. So I meet Gary and Gary's not Jewish. He's United Methodist, but he's really fantastic. So I said to him, like, really early in the relationship, when it looked like this could be serious, I said, listen, I'm going to marry somebody Jewish, and you're amazing, but, like, and also he he had gone to the Naval Academy, he was going to be in the submarines for many years, I needed to, like, we were making decisions about, about being away from each other. And he said, well, I can be Jew, you know, I'll convert to be Jewish, you're, like, we were talking about getting married. And I was like, that is so nice, like, wow, more than that's nice. Like, that's amazing. Because I always think like the Jews always complain about our numbers are like slipping and there's not as many and the Holocaust, we lost so many. And like, here's this fabulous man who said that he was willing to join our people. And I'm like, great, another team member. And not like in the superficial way. He's like, well, I can study with the chaplain in the Navy. I looked into it and there's a rabbi who's going to be in Hawaii. Anyway, okay. So... Fast forward from that, Gary converts and goes to a conservative conversion and um, studies the whole, you know, really like it was really, and his family was lovely, by the way. It was not this big, dramatic, ripping apart the family kind of thing. They really wanted to understand what his life was going to be like. Um, And then, so now I'm starting to see Judaism through Gary's eyes. And we were living in New York City. He, he, um, got out of the Navy and we we're living in New York city and he was in the real estate business. And as was, I was working in my family's business and um, we would go to Jewish things and I never found them as amazing as I think Judaism is. So here I get this and I, and I don't, sorry. And I'm looking at it through Gary's eyes. So we go to something and I was like, huh, like we're good. That was good but it's better than that. I'll find somewhere else next week to go to. Or like, I kept trying to like feed, like make him understand that Judaism is really about like, it's about love and community and education and family. And sometimes I didn't feel like Judaism was branding itself that well, because we would go to things and it seemed like instead of being about love and community and family, it seemed like it was about not understanding and, 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 and we were intimidated. I was intimidated. He must have been really intimidated and like Hebrew that I don't really understand. I speak some Hebrew, but not nearly enough to understand the blessings and, and rules that I didn't know. Like, it seemed like it was leading with rules instead of love. 
So I was, I always thought like, well, it's better than this. I better explain that to Gary. And mind you, this was my problem. He was like, I love you. I love being Jewish. This is completely fine. I'm like, I know, but if I want to have a Jewish family and I want my kids to love being Jewish, then I, I, I want it to lead with that, like mm, that, like, Oh, that makes my eyes tear up kind of thing. So I started to collect Jewish resources and I would get them from anywhere. Like if you had invited me, you know, to dinner and you did some beautiful reading or you said, Oh, at our house, we do a, you know, roses and thorns on Shabbat because we want to talk about the week. I'd be like, Oh, that's a good roses and thorns. And I'd kind of write that down. And I would, I would really start whether it was for Shabbat or whether it was for a holiday or whether it was just for, I might be invited to someone's home for a Shiva. And I would learn, I would learn something about Shiva that I had not been taught before. And mind you, I had a pretty decent Jewish education. And I was like, oh, that's so smart. I didn't know that you weren't supposed to ring the doorbell. Like you're not supposed to ring the doorbell, you don't bother them. And I didn't know that, you know, that you should talk to someone about who, you know, about the person who passed because they, they, there's just Jewish wisdom is so good. And I felt like I was like lucky enough to be finding it. So I kind of started, I just collected it from lots of different places. And then I, and to give a real shout out, honestly, one of the big places that I also collected from, I was lucky enough to be a Wexner um, heritage member. So I took, as an adult, I took some classes too, or took their, their courses and, um, and even more, I kept having the same feeling like, oh, there's so much good in Judaism, but why, why am I the only one who's lucky enough to be in this fancy course? Why am I the only one who gets to know about this should be shouted from the rooftops? Like this is what Jewish wisdom is about. So I found myself um, because I, as I mentioned, I had been working for my family's business and in a, in a career change. And I really wasn't sure what to do. I, I just, I, I hadn't known. And I was, um, I was in my fifties and I decided that because my background is marketing, I did the marketing for Manhattan mini storage for more than 20 years. So I understand, I understand marketing and branding and I decided, I was like, I want to kind of shout from the rooftops everything about Judaism that may not be branded. I want to rebrand Judaism, I guess is the best way to say it. So I started Jubilong. Sorry, that is a very long answer to your question. But I really took all of those resources that I've been collecting and using that were very successful in, in our home and friends would come over and they'd be like, Oh, what'd you do for Shabbat? Can you, can you make me a copy of what we did for Shabbat at your house? I want to do that at my house for years. That's what I was doing. And then I, I put it, made it into a website, got a name, a great name. I think the name Jubilong really some like just resonates with people and started Jubilong. And that's how Jubilong was born. I mean, that is an amazing story. We could stop right there. But actually, in recent months, the issue of anti-Semitism and pride in Judaism has really been an important topic. And Jew Belong has been right out there in terms of being a leader, in terms of promoting being proud to be Jewish and how bad anti-Semitism is. How did that all happen? Were you just in the right place at the right time? Or did something happen that made you belong so important recently? Oh, my gosh. 
I don't understand why every single Jewish organization is not doing the exact same thing that Jubilong is doing. Like that's where I really am in this place. Like Jubilong couldn't, we couldn't not activate against the anti-Semitism because number one, I think it's the right thing to do. Probably the only thing to do is a Jew in America. And number two, in his way, it was a little bit of a business. It's kind of a funny business decision because Jubilong is often working with our people are attracted to Jubilong. A lot of our audience, they're like, they're Jewish, but the Judaism is not the most important thing in their life. Like they can kind of take it or leave it. Like they might assimilate. They really might assimilate out and not be Jewish any, or their children might do not be Jewish or not considered a Jewish life. So if someone like that only gets hate and now they're being called a colonialist, you know, killing pet, like if all they're going to get is hate for being Jewish, these people will fade and they'll be like, fine, I don't need this. I didn't like it that much from the beginning. Like I didn't even know much about being Jewish and now I'm hated for it. Screw it. Like I'll like, who needs this? So I almost think of fighting anti-Semitism as like the need to keep market share. <laughs> like, like I am truly afraid that there are Jewish people in America who will drift further and faster from being Jewish because they don't have the muscle or the knowledge or the heart to fight anti-Semitism. And I think that is, oh, I mean, it's terrible. So Jubilong just said, you know, that is absurd. It's nonsense. We are proud to be Jewish. There is anti-Semitism. It is, it is really against the law. Like it's hate and we want to stand up against it and fight and fight the hate. And that's, that's what we am- do. Amazing. What kind of reaction have you gotten to the billboards, the Jubilong billboards? Almost all positive. Um, really, we had a woman who said, how long are they going to be up in Times Square? Because that's and she said, because I live four states away. What you're doing by being by putting Jewish pride in Times Square on a billboard is I don't have the words, but I need to get there in person. And I am going to travel to New York City when she's like had like, you know, she had scheduling issues. She said, when I have to get there before they go down. And I don't have the words to tell you what it means to me that you are doing that. And that's kind of, um, I mean, that's just one example because it was so, so I quickly found out the day that they're going to be down, um, which is July 25th, by the way. Um, but they're going to be other places. But it's it's like that. It's people saying things like, oh, thank goodness someone's speaking out. Thank, thank, like, thank you. Thank you for saying this. This made me cry. I couldn't, like, I showed it to my grandmother and it made her cry too. Like things like that, it touches people. I, I, I don't want to sound complaining, but I do think that the Jewish community could be speaking louder and prouder against the hate. And I don't, and, and, and Jubilong is really happy to do so that. So that was my next question. How do you think the Jewish community can take the example of Jubilong and kind of run with it? What are we not doing well enough? changing the subject. I think the Jewish community is changing the subject. And I think that that is very, very dangerous because if we're going to change the subject, then everyone who's wondering about 
all this anti-Semitism, you know, Jews and not Jews, Jews and non-Jews, allies are very, very important. So they'll be like, oh, well, if Archie's not worried about it, then I'm not going to be worried about it. And I think like when I read an article about, you know, in anything, I read Jewish stuff all, my, my email and my Instagram is full of Jewish things. And people are like, you know, here's 10 new challah recipes to try. And I'm like, are you kidding? I don't want to talk about challah recipes. I want to talk about Jew. I want to talk about anti-Semitism because that is what the biggest threat to our, to our people right now. And I think that, I mean, and I, I don't think there's exceptions to it. I really don't because if we don't get over the anti-Semitism. Then like, I think every rabbi in every congregation, the high holidays are coming up should be talking about anti-Semitism because to talk about any, I mean, listen, I'm pretty extreme on the subject, but I believe this from my deepest in my heart because to not talk about it, I think we're failing, we're, we're failing the community because it is, it's an existential threat to who we are, to who, we're, I mean, I, I get kind of like, I'm just so boggled that it is not on everybody's tongue all the time about anti-Semitism. And the reason, by the way, this would work, I mean, work, I don't think it's going to necessarily end all the anti-Semitism, but if you talk, I, I, I'm very interested in Black Lives Matter, and I'm not talking about the anti-Semitic part of Black Lives Matter. I'm talking about the discussion of racial justice in our country. And, you know, it's been going on for a while. And I, I, I think there's times where people who are in the Black community, you know, are talking about Black Lives Matter. And part of part of me thinks like, yeah, I know, but you've been talking, like, I get it. Like you guys have like changed the discussion of race in America, but they're not going to stop talking about black lives matter because that's going to, like that will keep going. I don't know how many more years that's going to be part of the American conversation, but social change doesn't happen in a year or two. It's going to take many years for that to happen. And I think that's the same with Jubilong and anti-Semitism, and not Jubilong, it should be with the whole Jewish community, to be saying anti-Semitism is unacceptable and we're not gonna stop talking about it because when we stop talking about it, it sort of rears its ugly head. And I I just, I really believe that. Look at, look at the LGBTQ community. I mean, how many years that community had a fight to get gay marriage legalized? Like, they didn't stop after. And then, you know, gay marriage became legal and they're still talking about it because people need to fight for what's right in for uh, for justice. And I think that Jews need to start a, to do that too. And not be scared and not think people are tired of hearing about it, not be half-assed about it and not worry about, about criticism. Like this business of like, well, yeah, but what about Israel and starting to apologize for Israel? I'm not talking about that. I am talking about anti-Semitism. And there is plenty of anti-Semitism within the discussion about Israel and without the discussion about Israel. And that is just, it's unacceptable. So, I mean, you're obviously very passionate, rightly so about this. How do you, what's the relationship between the fight against anti-Semitism and what I call Jewish pride, Jew belong, Jewish pride? You know, is that what we need to do? Do we need, is anti-Semitism the fight against the other or is anti-Semitism the pride in who we are? That's a good question. And I think about that a lot. Um, I think it's both. I think fighting anti-Semitism is a, it's a difficult 
business, so to speak. It is, it's not fun, particularly. I mean, I love talking to you. I've made, you know, I, I meet people who I really like and just think the world of because they're warriors and they're, they're, they're warriors for the Jewish people and the Jewish people have always had to have warriors for them, but it's not, it's not joyful. It's not like, God, that's why I want to be Jewish. So I can fight the hate. Like that's not fun. That's just, that's fighting hate. I think there has to be a really, um, the Jewish community needs to strike a balance. And I do think that when there are people who are proud of being Jewish, the next thing they will do is fight anti-Semitism. It's like that. It's like that's, there's sort of, it, it will almost come naturally because unlike the folks I mentioned earlier, the ones that Jew belong sometime in the Jew belong community, the ones who could take it or leave it, and that's why Jubilong is all about Jewish pride. It's like, I want you to, I want you to love, like, I want you to love your Passover Seder and have it be incredibly meaningful because that's Jewish pride. And then when someone kind of smacks you with anti-Semitism, you'd be like, you can't do that. Like, I'm proud of this. So it sort of comes from the other. If America was full of proud Jews, I think that there'd be the, 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 the move to fight the anti-Semitism would be faster and um, more obvious. I mean, I think that's right. Let's talk about the Seder because you ran a virtual Seder. You had this idea. Let's feel good about being Jewish. That was the other side. That was saying, I don't want to sit there at the Seder and talk about everybody hates me because nobody's going to want to sit at the Seder and talk about everybody hates me. That's just not very much fun. But you had a virtual Seder where you said, I am proud to be Jewish. Jew belong. I am proud to be Jewish. I belong to an amazing tribe, whatever you call the group, you know, a tribe, a group. And why did you, how, how did that work out? What was the reaction to that Seder? Oh, it was great. I mean, it was during, we actually had two because of COVID, but the one that, um, the one, I mean, the reaction was great. People want to be, in, everyone wants meaning. And I mean, I really do believe that about life. Most people. Uh, really just want some meaning in their life and feel included. And the responses, oh, so many, because so many responses read something, you know, like I've been taking my boyfriend for years. He's not Jewish to Seder. We didn't go to any this year because it was because of COVID made them virtual. And he said for the first time, oh, this is like, I really feel like welcome at this Seder and I really feel like I get it. And I think that that is a, Jubilon really reaches both interfaith, um, you know, the, the people in our community and people who are Jew, born Jewish with no Jewish education. And honestly, there's very little difference between the to in regards to sort of their feeling belonging like someone who's not jewish will feel like yeah i don't really belong because this is jewish and like we reach out and we talk and we like hit the nail on the head and we have this word called jubarisment which means like you might not be doing it right but like don't worry because we all suffer from jubarisment and so that person who is more always open with their jubarisment who isn't jewish is there and then there's also those people who grew, who are Jewish, who grew up Jewish 
And because they didn't have a Jewish education or for whatever, maybe they didn't like it. Maybe they were turned off. Who knows? Lots of people have issues with their Judaism for reasons that, you know, there's too many to count. But those people have also sort of put themselves outside the religion. They're like, well, I don't really feel like I belong because, you know, because of all my Hebrew school teacher in seventh grade. Now, who knows? But those people have sort of put themselves out. And but they also sometimes they often feel like I really felt like this spoke to me. Like you guys, you know, you, 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 you spoke about it in this welcoming way where you know, even that one, that one word, embarrassment is they're like, I think that's me. Like, I think I've been feeling embarrassed for the last, you know, 25 years. And now that you actually put a word on it, I'm good. I'm in, I like this. This is good. This is what I thought maybe it was about, but I'm glad that, that you've done that. And, and by the way, there's, it's non-denominational, it's non-movement, it's not anything. Like we have wonderful conversations with rabbis who said, you know, I want to use some of your resources for my Yom Kippur service. I was like, of course, like, yeah, they're all on the website and they're all free and they're there for the taking. And there's this other rabbi who I met who's so nice. And he said, I think there might be people in my congregation who are embarrassed. And I was like, yeah, think like I said, I, I can guarantee there are people in your congregation who are embarrassed because it almost comes with being Jewish. It's like, there's just a lot of rules. I mean, I'm embarrassed all, all the time, like, because you're a rabbi, I'm talking to you. I'm a little embarrassed. Like, I think I might be saying the wrong thing because you know more. And it's just, it's a human condition. But if you push through it, um, it actually, it makes people vulnerable. And then they're like, yeah, I, I think it's nice to be vulnerable about, about it and say, that's okay to not know everything. Nobody does. Nobody I met yet. And like, it's, but it still doesn't mean that you can't feel like you belong and that this could be a really um, special experience or, you know, a, 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 you can be a blessing just by sitting at my Passover table and partaking and telling a little bit about what your story is. And, um, Rabbis feel jew also. That's okay. That's part of it. Like you said, that's a human condition. We always want to learn more. Your story, Archie, is an amazing story. And I think we can all, within the Jewish community, and like you said, allies, and outside the Jewish community, it's so important to listen to this story. And we want to help promote your story, which we're going to, which we are going to do. And we're going to get out this, um, this podcast, and we're going to tell it to everybody. And we're going to help you with the... Um, with, with the billboards and with the posters and with Rosh Hashanah coming up. And I'm going to share it with all my rabbi friends, my rabbi friends who are Jew, Jew, Jew barrist and are not Jew barrist, but we're all going to share <laughs> it with everybody. And we want to thank you. And, you know, I, I, I don't need to tell you, you know, the energy is worth everything. And for we should all share just a little piece of that energy as we work hard to fight anti-Semitism, to be proud of who we are and to make ourselves and our allies stronger and better for all of it. So thank you, Archie, and God bless you. And we can't, we can't wait to work together. Thank, thank you so much. This was a pleasure.